Hello, everybody out there in internet land. This is, for those of you who are not convinced by the intro music that is just played, this is the second Animates episode covering Batman the Animated Series. We hey, what's are, up? We are the knight. We are the vengeance. We are the Batman. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that I'm actually Paige, but, uh... Okay. Yeah, and I'm Chris. Mm-hmm. Definitely not and Batman. And this is Animates. Um, despite what Chris might have tried to convince you of um, just now, I'm not sure either of us or this program are the Knight, Vengeance, or the Batman. For all I know, that could be trademarked. I do not own... Yeah, I was about to say, I don't want to do copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> we don't own any of that, and this counts as transformative. Parody. <laughs> Fair use. <laughs> Uh, so, for, oh, again, for all of you out there in internet land, I, I'm sure we sound great without having, like, technical difficulties. Yeah, I don't think there's technical difficulties on this episode, so I'm sure it sounds, like, better than the last episode. <laughs> but we are, last time we covered the first season, which is really two seasons of... Batman the Animated Series. It was, it was 65 episodes. 65 episodes. And there's another weird thing about this, like, quote-unquote season of Batman. Uh, yeah. So, let me just say that, like, season two of Batman the Animated Series was only 20 episodes. And for the second 10 of those episodes, it was rebranded. I don't know if it was actually rebranded for the whole 20 episodes, but they only got the new intro for the final 10 of those episodes as the adventures of Batman and Robin and it got a new intro and then there were another 25 episodes that were ordered by the WB when it went from Fox Kids to the WB Network which then existed and they were aired as the new Batman adventures but were fully intended as a continuation by the creative team. They had the original intro and when they were released to DVD they were released as um, Batman the Animated Series Volume 4 from the new Batman Adventures. It very much feels like it went through a couple of identity crises after the first season. And not mm-hmm. I don't I don't mean like they couldn't figure it out. They just they they featured Robin a lot more uh, in the Adventures of Batman and Robin. Well, ho, it's right there in the name. But it was mm-hmm. in the original animation style. Same voice voice casting crew and ultimately if they hadn't labeled it differently you would never know that it yeah, was it's labeled as show. being different and they changed the freaking intro and it's just like it's go it's okay like it's fine the music is good but it just it, it's a bunch of cropped together clips from action scenes of the previous episodes and it just doesn't hit the same way which is why they it's not go, as iconic for sure and they go back to it that's how i could tell they knew that they made a mistake is yeah at, when they when they started airing as the new batman adventures 
one of the changes that they made, actually uh, the smallest change, is that they went back to the original intro. And I, this is where I start to very vividly remember watching cartoons as a kid, because uh, the new Batman Adventures aired as a companion show to Superman, the animated series, a show which is very close to my heart, not quite as close as Batman, but close enough. And this will, we'll get there eventually, but um, it's a completely new style. Not I, Okay, completely new is a little bit dramatic. It is a new streamlined style. You can definitely tell that they started to move to digital elements in mm-hmm. their animation. Um, detail does decrease in the foreground animations. Mm-hmm. And they completely change character models. Yeah, and, and like to be like uh, to be fair, apparently WB requested that they like make the animation style sort of match with Superman and they said it was more animation friendly the art style was and to be fair the the stiffness that we were talking about with the original run and that also exists with the first you know with the 20 episode Adventures of Batman and Robin uh labeled season um it's that stiffness goes away it's much more fluid and people are somewhat less rectangular which i kind of like it when people are somewhat less rectangular <laughs> those of you who watched dc animated shows from like 1994 onwards which would have also been the justice league era it, it's the animation that appears pretty much from this point onward in dc animated shows so i uh, if you recognize it in one show you've recognized it in all of them like, Batman's character model is the same in Superman, and it's the same in Justice League. Uh, but aside from some very questionable character model changes, I'm looking <laughs> at you, Joker, Riddler, who else? Catwoman. Catwoman. God. Honestly, I, I don't like the Poison Ivy uh, model change. Like, she's... All of a sudden, like, gray, green, her skin's green. And she all of a sudden goes from just, like, a scientist who does stuff with plants to having literal plant powers. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. I guess that changes back and forth in the comic, too. But it's pretty sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, we're most disappointed by the Joker. It it just gets rid of everything. He's not even a clown anymore. The yellow sclera... And, and his eyes are gone. They're just replaced with pits of black, yeah. which, ooh, edgy. But it, re- it really just doesn't look very good. Luckily, Hamill voice acts him the same as, it, it, as he always did. So it's still mm-hmm. very convincing in that regard. But uh, there are some character models that I do really, really like. The, the, for example, I do like Bruce's body shape better. Mm-hmm. His face is much different. His face, he looks younger and ultimately he looks, I mean, he looks pretty different from his original character model, but the scarecrow 
has a really oh, good change. better. Oh, yeah. He's because, so like, the original, creepy. The original Scarecrow model was really lame, honestly, because I personally think of Scarecrow as one of the most frightening and cruelest of all Batman rogues, you know, and his like his character model in the original run was just like really goofy and lame. And this one is super creepy. I love it. Um, it's with the, he has like this noose around his neck and you can't see his face. It's super cool. Um, and I also think that Barbara's character model is a lot better. Yes. Yeah, uh, her voice actress actually changes during the new Batman Adventures to Tara Strong, the person who Paige kept mistaking for... Kath Susie. Kath Susie. Kath Susie does show up in this as well. She voices some children and things like that. (laughs) She's always voicing kids. She's always voicing kids. (laughs) Uh, But aside from that, let's see, we've got... Ooh, we have a new Robin along for the ride, too. Tim Drake shows we get up. Tim Drake. Yeah, who, we get to have Dick and Tim. Who is just a romp. Mm-hmm. I also love that in this uh, in this version, they're just like, you know what? We're just going to skip two Robins. <laughs> like, we're going to skip. Well, no. Only, okay, only one Robin was skipped in the, like, official Batman continuity. They're like, Jason, no, we're just, that ends too badly. We're just going to move right on past that. <laughs> And go to Tim. Technically, he does show up. Um, Okay, it's really weird. If you follow the Batman Beyond continuity, Jason Todd is in Bruce's past. So it just would have happened after the animated series. Because Jason Todd makes a very dramatic return in Batman Beyond. But Yeah, what's... Jason Todd becomes... Yes, don't spoil it. Okay, I didn't know that we... These events happened to the comics like 20, 30 years uh, ago. <laughs> I know. I I I feel like I I, I don't know. Look, <sighs> every Robin except Damian Wayne becomes their own superhero. Dick or villain or it's unclear with Jason Todd. Like Dick gets to be uh Nightwing, Nightwing. Tim gets to be Red Robin, um Jason is uh um Red something. I can't remember. God damn it. And then uh, the girl Robin from the official continuity, she becomes Huntress. She's only really briefly Robin, and she becomes Huntress. And then Damian Wayne isn't his own thing yet because he's still Robin. I can't wait to do Young Justice. Uh, What a good show. What a good show. We get to talk about Robin a lot in that show, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> both Robins, to be specific. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway, uh, Tim is here, and I love Tim. I actually, He's great. I was really I, I don't know why I was surprised, because I've always kind of liked Tim Drake. But he, in this continuity, it's been so long since I saw him on screen that... I, I don't know. Tons of fun. Very compelling. Such uh, a smart ass. Such a smart ass. Like, way pushes back so much harder than, like, Dick ever did. And you get the feeling that maybe, like, the things that become conflict between Dick and Bruce, like, 
maybe wouldn't have if if Dick had pushed back more as as a teenager. But I, I don't know. That's do the you, counterfactual. Do you do you think that it partially? Well, okay. So in this continuity, Tim Drake's origin story has been changed. From it's, really okay. Yes, it's different from the comics. Um, Tim Drake was just like a neighbor kid who lived near Wayne Manor. Mm. And they they felt like, you know, originally this worked, but for our series, we want to make like a contained family unit being Mm -hmm. Bruce, Barbara, Dick, Alfred, and Tim. And so Mm -hmm. they made it to where Tim's dad is a deadbeat out there somewhere. He's dead. They addressed that by the end of the introduction of Tim. So he, he like yeah. washed up in a river in Metropolis. It's actually really Dark. upsetting. And, and so they 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 did change it, but it worked. It works well, and and it was mm-hmm. a good change for them to make. Yeah, like Tim is like when we meet Tim, he's like living on his own in the apartment he used to share with his dad because his dad like worked for Two-Face and just fucking split. Like he was, he had stolen from Two-Face and was afraid and just split on his kid and then like washed up dead in a river in Metropolis. And it's just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Kids out there in, in real world land, you know who you never double cross? Two-Face. The double personality man. (laughs) Double personality. Okay, actually, triple personality. And introducing for the first time in this issue, the double personality man. <laughs> uh, we actually find out that Harvey has three personalities, but that that is like one of the last episodes. I think that's the last episode, if I remember correctly. Anyway, so we get we other than other than um, it's nice because in the new Batman adventures, they, they made a point to focus a lot more on the supporting cast, which means a whole lot more of Barbara, including a great team up episode with Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like a super good. fun little, it's the episode's called girls night out and it's, and it's a BTS STIS crossover episode. That's also like totally women. So, like, Bruce is out of town, Clark is out of town, and Livewire, who is a Superman villain, escapes into Gotham. And so, Batgirl's doing it, super, like, Bruce tries to get Clark to come over not knowing he's out of town. So, Supergirl um, comes over to help her out, and then Livewire teams up with Harley and Pam. Uh, And it's super cool. It's such a good time. (laughs) At the end of the episode, Supergirl and, uh, okay, so Supergirl and Batgirl are sitting on a couch in, like, their hair put up in a towel and in robes and they're painting their nails. And they're like, we kicked ass. And it's, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's really cool. It's great because it's like, look, they kicked ass, but they're also cool girls. It's like, I don't know. It mm-hmm. was, I thought it was a They can, like, be feminine, too. Yeah, it's neat. And, like, there was also a fun dynamic going on because, like, in, you know, by this point in the show, um, you know, Poison Ivy has, like, actual powers. And there's this, like, little dynamic going on with the three villainesses where, um, 
like Harley just like can't keep up with them because she doesn't have any powers and they're kind of like teasing her about it especially Livewire like poor Harley she's so put upon Harley and her fucking mallet <laughs> she's the best god I love Harley so much uh, 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 uh. She, she she tries so hard to break things with her mallet and it's yeah. just her going uh, uh, over and like over off screen at first <laughs> and she was just like gonna go with her mallet and these oh other my two... god they do not change her character model at all Thank which god. is great they keep it exactly the same which I love okay one thing though is like Harley always wore black lipstick that has like a little red reflection on it once you get to the new Batman adventures, literally every woman wears black lipstick, even baby doll. The way that you should look at it is they don't, they don't all wear black lipstick. That's just a general show aesthetic that changes in Superman. Cause that's not, that, that does not characterize the women in, in, Superman the animated series. It's very much they don't a all go- have black lips. Yeah, it's a very much a Gotham aesthetic. Okay. Yeah, because like Barbara has black lips, like everybody has black lips. Like occasionally you'll see like a waitress or something that has red lipstick on, but yeah. I um do we want to address baby doll real quick since since I like since it came up? Um uh, this is a good so this is a good point, uh, place to point out that as we move into the last two seasons, well, the last season slash two seasons, whatever, we get to see a lot of side villains, basically people outside of the regular rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. And these are people like Baby Doll, the. She has a disorder of some kind that she basically never physically developed past a prepubescent child. And she's really Yeah, like a toddler even, yeah. And she is animated one time in the original animation style. And they change her quite a bit in the new style. And Mm -hmm. she, in the first style, she goes through this really psychologically trying time where she kidnaps she used to be on a tv show she used to be really famous and she was loved on like a family sitcom and eventually the show's ratings were going down and another character got brought in that stole her spotlight and she felt like it was all being stolen away from her so she quit and she tried to pursue a dramatic acting career but nobody would take her seriously because of her she's tiny because of her physical stature mm-hmm. and so she tries to kidnap her co-stars and relive her glory days slash take revenge on the person who stole her limelight and if she had been a normal actress it all would have seemed very petty but there's this it still kind of is but she has this real visceral breakdown at the end of the episode when Batman is chasing her through a child's playpen, like a play like in a amusement park. And she was so angry about her limelight being stolen because it's the only place 
where people loved her and accepted her as she looked and was. And when that was being taken away from her, it wasn't just an actress's livelihood being taken away. It was everything, her esteem, her status, her psychological self-image, her future, everything. And she couldn't get it anywhere else because nobody would take her seriously. So yeah. it, it was very sad. Yeah. And then, like, it's also, like, her second appearance is really sad, too, because basically we see her, she's she's trying to live a normal life. You know, she's a clerk at a hotel, and, you know, she's clearly periodically getting recognized, and people are being really, you know, annoying to her, wanting her to do her lines from the show and things like that, which is, is hard for her. And then she sees... Um, she sees Croc on um, on TV and a trial for murder, and he's like, you know, like I'm a victim of prejudice. Like nobody, because he has green skin in this version. He's like, nobody accepts me. I never belong anywhere. And she just like instantly, completely falls in love with him, and then regresses again immediately. Like it seems like she's made progress, but is sad, and she just regresses immediately and goes out and finds Croc and has this weird romantic relationship with him because it's like what's weird is i had commented on after the first episode i had commented to my boyfriend like oh and i'm sure that she she is psychologically an adult woman but because she is physically a child i'm sure that she's been unable to ever have like a healthy romantic or sexual relationship because anybody that would want to be with her is probably a pedophile you know um and that would be difficult (laughs) You know, Um, and so she ends up in this weird romantic relationship with Croc where she's like really obsessed with him and he's kind of like cold and slightly emotionally abusive. And he's like, you know, seeing all kinds of other women and stuff like that. And and they do crimes together. And, um, you know, eventually she just like her heart is completely broken by the idea that like Croc isn't, you know, as into her as she is into him. Um yeah, Baby Doll's very sad. She's a very, very sad character. We sh- uh, this. I feel like this is a good time to bring this up. So, <clears throat> I don't think they were. She was playing. I think that she was truly attracted to Croc because they shared the status as outcasts. I don't mm-hmm. think he he was just living up this pretense of a relationship. I agree. He was playing house. Yeah. And to some extent, she was playing house, too. Mm-hmm. But she did actually emotionally care for him. And, of course, Croc is a shithead. And he's using oh, yeah. her. He's a murderer. He's terrible. He's, <clears throat> Croc is one of, the, one of the few Batman villains that is just truly completely indefensible. There's nothing good about him at all. You know, he's just a murderer. He's just a terrible person. Um, But I should also say that uh, while Baby Doll is psychologically fascinating and very sad, she is also deeply annoying. Very. Extremely. Uh, It's less annoying in the second version than it is in the first version. That's because she spends more time acting like an adult in the second one. And she doesn't needlessly pluralize everything. Apparently, like... The Batman writers originally thought that the way that you make someone talk like a child is they add S's to everything. Okay, sure. 
yeah, that's that's what I know to be baby talk. I I think that number one, if you want the accurate psychological terms to describe baby doll, she uh, her defense mechanism for trauma is regression, which is a Freudian concept. Going back to an earlier time, Paige said regression mm-hmm. earlier. Just know that it's Freudian uh, or psychodynamic. Sorry, I shouldn't just say it's Freud. But it's interesting that they gave them the pretense of a relationship at all because it's an adult man and a, and a child-appearing individual, which is, yeah. a, for me, is a good segue into this was the last season of Batman, and it was airing on the WB. And some research will tell us that... The censorship of the show changed drastically between the last season and the ones that preceded it. And it's because they changed networks, moving from Fox onto WB. And the staff on the show have commented that whereas Fox used to give them five pages of notes on what they could and couldn't do... Per storyboard, the WB gave them, like, a couple sentences. Much, 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 much less. And it shows. It shows a lot. I think the first way that you'll notice it is that um, it's way sexier. Yes. The character models are sexier. There's way more sexual innuendo. Like, we have a whole... There's a whole villain who's really cool, Roxy Rocket. Um, she's neat, and but her whole thing is like, Chris. I'm sure there's a word for this particular particular philia, and you'll tell me. But it's a psychosexual attraction to danger. She rides a giant penis. She does, and like she basically like she like comes in one of the final scenes because it's like basically batman calls her bluff you know and um she's like oh well you can like jump off or we're gonna like just slam into the side of this cliff and um he just you know stares her down and she goes to like turn off the rocket or whatever and he won't let her and she's like oh yeah baby you're the best like yeah the final stunt or whatever and as they're hurtling face forward towards the ground she like screams like yes 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 and i was like jesus this is okay like who kids probably don't know what's going on here but this is a lot right now (laughs) That episode, by the way, is an on-the-edge-of-your-seat episode. It's so much fun. It's that, super oh, fun. It's so much fun. Because, like, most of the episode is Batman flying and trying to catch this person doing crazy-ass stunts, and it's super cool. But mm-hmm. um, she's an adrenaline junkie, and yeah. physiological arousal can very easily spill over into sexual arousal. I, yeah. I'm not going to go into models of emotion but let's just say it's well documented that um people people can often misattribute physiological arousal that you would get from adrenaline boosting stunts with sexual arousal so yep. they misattribution very... of arousal as it's called yeah, there you go see page knows stuff 
I almost got a minor in psychology. <laughs> now, as for, let's see here. They show blood in the water when Batman clearly kill, kills two alligators. Something that they never would have done on the original show. They Lots show blood, blood on people's faces sometimes. Yeah. Like when they get punched in the face, they'll like bleed from their mouth. They, what else do they do? They, I mean, they just make a lot more sex jokes and it's a lot more, they, they show blood and stuff is, is the major thing. That people punch harder, people fall. Oh my God. They show Barbara fall off a building and smack into the That's car. That's true. They do show that. by her dad. They show an unadulterated front row seat to Barbara falling off a 20-story building and crashing onto the windshield of a car being driven by Commissioner Gordon. And it is yeah. truly terrifying. It's truly terrifying. And, like, I did not, like, think that they were going to do that. And what's great about that episode is, like, this might be spoiling it a little bit, but it's, like, it's a very effective episode because the whole episode, I was just going from the very first moment all the way through. It's super fast paced. Tons is happening. And the whole episode, I'm going, this isn't real. This isn't real. This somehow isn't real. Like, this is not actually happening. For the love of God, you know, by the end, for the love of God, for the love of God, this is not actually happening. Um, the scarecrow got mentioned. This has to be fake somehow. And they only, the last, like, 30 seconds of the episode, they're finally like, you're right, it wasn't real. None of this actually happened. You know, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, because they draw you so into it. And, like, as an adult who knows how these things work, you know that it can't possibly actually be happening. But they take you through the whole episode with, like, gi giving you nothing, absolutely nothing about how maybe it's not real. They actually do a really good job at clouding the premise because we find out that the person whose dream it is... Mm -hmm. got killed off in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Which is part of the reason that, like, even I was taken in to the point where I was like, for the love of God, like, this isn't real. You know, because it's like, you wouldn't expect that it would be Barbara's dream, right? That that's what was happening. It's a fantastic episode. It's really, really good. The other, the other thing I'll say about the censorship is they're just very visceral things, like people dissolving and watching their facial expressions while they dissolve. People die, like... They're plant people or a clay face person or something, but they still very clearly meet with an end more bluntly. Yeah, than like people. the the one with the little clay face girl that like Tim's into, like her getting reabsorbed into Clayface's body was like really visceral and upsetting, actually. I don't know. They showed that fully, too. They didn't just, like, glom her back in. She, like, it's like a whole moment of, like, Clayface's body, like, undulating, and she's sort of, like, going in and out and, like, yelling to Tim and stuff. It's, it was rough. And Tim at the end is like, they should put him away for murder. For murder. Ooh, and it's so bone-chilling. Um, yeah, but I was also like, buddy, she wasn't real. But... Come on now. She clearly had free will. But she had a personality. Yeah, she had a personality and free will. That one was hard to say. That one dealt with some philosophy. 
is um, is a is a bud by any other name a human? I don't know. I was trying to make some grand gesture about even though it's a part of him, it was an independent. That one got away from you. <laughs> yeah, it was an independent <laughs> yeah. part. But oh, also another censorship thing is like Harley is always like really, really aggressively and obviously trying to get the Joker to fuck. And yes, like never holy, down. <laughs> holy shit! In one episode, she pops out of a gigantic cream pie, and she <laughs> says, "Do you want some of my pie pudding? Yeah, it's moist." <laughs> and <laughs> I shit you not, I spit out my drink. God, that is. That that's not that it, it the innuendo is completely and utterly obscured and it yeah. looks like she's naked covered mm-hmm. in cream. Except pie. for with her jester hat on. Yeah, and just like um she's doing the like Marilyn Monroe, the like happy birthday, you know, that thing, only singing like happy anniversary or something to him. Oh, by the way. Harley, it, like this, somewhat ties in with the censorship ep- censorship episode stuff, but her the abuse towards her starts to really get ratcheted up to eleven, and it gets yeah. to the point where I actually wasn't happy about it. Mostly, just well, okay, mm-hmm. uh, abuse works in cycles like it happens to people but every time you think harley's gonna get the fuck out the next episode they reset back to status quo and Uh i guess my issue is like i get that they have to reset to a status quo of sorts it feels really it i i feel cheated and it feels really disrespectful to harley feels like they're beating up on harley to make like relationship abuse the status quo Mm -hmm. so i think so i looked at like the the wikipedia article for the list of batman the uh, the new batman adventures episodes and like the service we were watching it on had them like really out of order and according to the wikipedia list the very last episode aired was mad love which is the Harley Quinn episode. And I think we should talk about it because I was like sitting like completely like enraptured with like my hands like tied in my hair the whole time. And just like, like I like had to take like a really deep breath when it was over because like I was utterly, I was shocked that that was put to air as a children's show. I think I would, if it were made in 2019, I would still be shocked that it was put to air as a children's show. Well, is there any part of the episode that you want to start on, like, uh, on first? Because ultimately, as, I don't know, psychologically it brings up great issues of patient therapist's closeness Mm-hmm. But I, I think okay. So like to just give a quick rundown of what the episode is, um, is like there's like a framing device about like the Joker wanting to like finally kill Batman, and um, you know, not feeling like any of his ideas for it were good enough, good enough or something. Um, that's the framing device. Um, and we do flashbacks of Harley's whole backstory, which like. 
you know, we, we mentioned before, but this like truly shows it about how she was, she was Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Um, she went by Harley. She was a, a new young psychiatrist in, um, in Arkham and she wanted to work with the Joker probably cause she was ambitious and thought he would be like a great nut to crack or whatever. And, um, he manipulates her like as, as her patient, he successfully manipulates her basically until she's lost her mind that all she can think about is how like she's in love with the Joker and he's a perfect angel and she needs to like protect him from the world and, you know, be there for him. Um, and, you know, um, and then the sort of ending of the episode has to do with, um, you know, wanting to make the Joker happier again. So basically she's going to like kill Batman for him and the way that that turns out, that's the basic plot of the episode. Batman. Hmm. I don't want to start with Batman. I do have something to say about Batman in that episode, but this episode ends up with her being the closest she's ever been to leaving it all behind. Because at the end of the episode, Harley has captured Batman and is about to kill him and has taken a plan written by the Joker and has made it work. Actually, uh, I, can I just insert here for any listeners? Um, let me just say that, like, trigger warning for this episode and for, like, the stuff we're going to talk about with this episode. She... She... Okay, so Bruce manipulates her mm -hmm. to get the Joker there. Because Harley has captured him and is about to kill him. And he says... The Joker will never believe that you killed me, which honestly is probably true. Uh -huh. And he says, all of this will be for nothing. And Harley, she calls the Joker. Yeah. And, the and also, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, like Batman is also saying to her for, for the record during this period of time that like, that he, the Joker had always seen her as an easy mark, that he doesn't love her, that she's just hired help and he doesn't give a shit about her. Um, and that all of the stuff that the Joker told her that like made her love him was just a line that he'd fed to a lot of other people. All uh, of which is true. I should, but, I was about to say, um, I guess it, it does happen really dramatically where Bruce basically tries to break down every everything Harley has ever thought about the Joker. Mm -hmm. And he does it... I mean, he's a master manipulator. He does it oh, yeah. with, with gravitas and authority and is able to so thoroughly destroy, for the audience... Any any understanding of how somebody could love the Joker? Because Bruce so clearly is like, no, here's the stories he tells. He pegged you as a mark. All of this has been supported by his behavior in the past, so he's not going to believe you, so call him up. And Harley calls him up. Joker arrives, and the Joker immediately gets mad. And 
His excuse is that Harley has to explain the plan so it's not funny, but in reality, that's just a pretense. The Joker's mm-hmm. mad because Harley bested Batman. Yeah. And, he, and I will say, though, there's a lot of violence in the episode, but what he does immediately, the one thing that they don't actually show on screen, but that is heavily implied, is that the Joker comes into the room, like, starts screaming at her about her plan, and then backhands her in the face so hard that she flies across the room into a heap on the floor. Well, and then finally getting mad. The last thing the Joker says is like, if you have to explain it, it's not funny. And he throws her out a second story window. Throws her out. You see her really, you see her fall two stories down, like you see it as though you were standing over her crashes into a dumpster and you see her sit up and she has blood on her face. And she like piteously brokenly says it was my fault. I didn't get the joke. And then, you know, the Joker, um, the Joker tries to let Batman go. Batman tells the Joker that, Harley had bested him, basically, and then the Joker and Batman fight. Um, and there's a lot of, like, violence in that episode as well. There's, like, the Joker and the Batman both bleed. You see Joker come much closer to, like, what looks like a real death scene than they've ever previously shown. And then they, the final scene is they are wheeling Harley into her room in Arkham, and she's just completely, like multiple broken bones bandaged and everything and they put her into bed and she's saying how she's like she'll never go back again and she finally sees him for what he is no good rotten blah 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 and she looks over and there's a single rose and it says get well soon jay and she's like angel and smiles and i don't i don't know how to feel I didn't know how to feel and I still don't mm-hmm. because I, I think for me, the reason that I, it, it made me feel that way is because that it's realistic. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. hap- that, that is, that happens that, that, that isn't even fantasy. That's yeah. That's, a cycle of violence that consumes victims of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of the most frustrating things for loved ones to watch happen over. And, and to Bruce's credit, he tries. He really does. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he's a little bit, Harsh, but he's also trying to not be killed by her. Yeah, definitely. It's just, um, I I think that he could have done it a little bit better, but ultimately (laughs) nothing he said about nothing he said to Harley was false. No, everything he said was true. It's just also hard to watch. Like, you know, because when you're in that situation, you're very dependent on like, 
the lies and your 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 worldview and your view of that person and he's trying to like strip all that away and strip it back down to try and get her to see reality and it is incredibly painful for her and she can't like deal with with the dissonance you know um it's he's telling her the truth and and she needs to hear it but it's really hard to watch yeah it's very hard to stomach Mm-hmm. It's like it's an incredibly heavy episode, and like by the way, like all those like weirdo fucking teenagers who even still to this day are watching like Suicide Squad and being like, oh, I want a relationship like Harley and the Joker. It's like no, that's bad. That is an abusive relationship. Like the character of Harley Quinn was originally conceived as being in an abusive relationship with the Joker. It's not healthy. Well, and I feel like now if you need to disabuse somebody of that idea, just show them that episode. Right, yeah. Because I, I, I remember that I had seen that episode as a kid. I remember oh, yeah. seeing it, but I, all of this stuff, I, I didn't notice it. It just went over your head? Well, I was like, fuck the Joker, but I was, mm-hmm. I had always been like, wow, fuck the Joker. But it had mm-hmm. never had the same emotional effect that it mm-hmm. had this time around. So I, I feel like the show in no way apologizes for the Joker's behavior. No, it does not. Either. It's just kind of, honestly, it's probably the most tragic thing that we see in any Batman episode. I don't know. Because it, it's the most real and the most visceral. It's like, mm-hmm. Bruce's parents died? Okay, but that was forever ago. Yeah. This this is happening now, and so openly on, on the screen. So. Yeah. It's super painful. So I just felt like it's, like, difficult to talk about, and it's going to be, like, it's, like, he- I'm sure it's going to be heavy to listen to, but, like, I don't know. It's just, like the show made that episode and we can't like not talk about it, you know? So if you end Um, up watching it, I suppose just be aware of that. (laughs) Be aware going in. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about a lighter aspect of it. Um, let's see. Um, Nightwing. Nightwing is, (laughs) uh, incredibly cool and hot despite his Xanatos mullet. (laughs) I like, Oh my God. I hate it. I also like that for a quote-unquote lighter thing to talk about, you talk about Nightwing. And the central thing about Nightwing is his conflict with Batman. Oh, that's true. I just wanted to talk about how Nightwing's just so cool. He's so cool. Uh, I love him. With his weird little flight suit and his cool, like, instead of a car, he has a motorcycle, and instead of a boat, he has a jet ski. And yeah, he has a stupid Xanatos mullet, but like, I don't know, he's kind of hot anyway. Oh, God, I love Nightwing. He's just, he's just dick with an attitude. Yeah, he's dick with, he's dick being a dick. <laughs> and Batman, he's an old, like, <laughs> granted, Bruce didn't do himself any favors. But he really did not. Actually, that episode's fucking heartbreaking, too. There's a lot of flashback episodes in um, the new Batman Adventures, but they're good. Yeah, so there's, like, a whole episode where, like, Tim's, like, 
Dick, why don't you hang out with Batman anymore? Why aren't you Robin anymore? Well, Tim, and Tim pulls, Tim pulls what I like to call the divorce guilt trip. <laughs> I gave it to my parents as a kid. It's like, why are you two still married? Why don't you live together? And <laughs> he does this with with Nightwing. He's like, why don't you and Bruce just forgive each other and live together? <laughs> like, maybe you should forgive him. Um, which is, forgiveness is given at the end of the episode. <laughs> but uh, their conflict came to a head... Bruce, like, Dick was starting to, like, date Barbara, and Bruce was capitalizing on his time. Bruce didn't even show up to his graduation, which is a really super... Because busy being Batman. And so, Dick, on when they're on a mission, they end up chasing a criminal into the criminal's home, and Bruce proceeds to beat up the dude and try and get information in front of the man's wife and child. And Dick sees this scene play out, and he sees the fear on the child's face. And he's like, Bruce, this is not the place to do this. And Bruce just doesn't care. And he's like, I'm done. And he leaves. And that's the last of that they talk for a while. By the way, Dick's right. Oh, absolutely. In that situation. But at the end of the episode, they try and humanize Bruce because the dude that Bruce beat up is like, no, that was a wake-up call. And he, like, I got my life together, and Mr. Wayne got me this really good job. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Bruce did try to make it right. But it still doesn't excuse exposing a child to that kind of trauma. And it's also, like, fucking, the, like, the writers are so good because, like, Right before, like, the dude, like, burst into his own home, you see the child and his mom playing, and the mom's being like, I surrender, spaceman, because he has on, like, an astronaut helmet and a little toy gun, and right as, like, Batman comes into the room and starts beating up the dad, the kid's like, I'll save you, daddy, and it's just like, oh, God. I'm gonna die. Yeah, I, <laughs> My I was heart like, is shredded. I, I was like, God... <laughs> Damn! <laughs> that, why are you doing this to me, Bruce Tim? Paul Dini, why? Clearly, Fox would have censored that. Oh, yeah, for sure. They would not have let that happen. Yeah, but, like, Dick was totally right in that circumstance. And then you also just get little sly remarks from Dick throughout, like, um throughout that season where you know like he shows up with Batman and Robin and Robin's like what you doing and he's like oh not much just engaging a set of obsessive behaviors that have been instilled in me from an early age and it I, I think the, the 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 lesson is that much like divorced parents they're like listen we work we I love your mom but we just can't live together like, <laughs> we just don't work good being married so we're going to be good separately and mm -hmm. I, they, it, ultimately that's the that's the result is that they work together and and obviously care about each other but he he can't nightwing can no longer live under bruce wayne's rules mm -hmm. 
definitely. Something that they didn't examine and that, but I would have loved if they had is that like clearly, um, like Dick and Barbara were in a relationship towards the end of Dick's college career. Um, and they hadn't shared with each other about their superhero escapades. Um, you know, we learned this in the flashback, like they were in a relationship. Um, and, but we see that when like Dick leaves and goes off to be Nightwing, Barbara starts spending even more time with Bruce and doing a lot more stuff like, with Bruce and Bell, like with Batman and Batgirl as a team. And we also see through like some of Barbara's dreams that Barbara has like sexual fantasies about Bruce. Well, and so like, would there be, and I know that there was something about that in the killing joke as well. Um, that, that's the beginning of the killing joke is Barbara and Bruce fucking. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Like in real life or in yes, a fantasy? In real life. They make a big deal out of it. And, and it's oh, a, it ends up being a, a mistake that mm. both of them regret, but no, they I need they, to see the killing joke. They fuck. And then really bad things happen. Not related to the fucking, just bad in life. Very bad things happen in that, in that particular canon. So, um, but yeah, like, so it would have been, maybe it would have been too much like psychosexual drama for a children's program, but it would have been fun just to see like, you know, is there an element like is part of what's keeping Dick away from Bruce is part of what's keeping Nightwing doing his own thing, a feeling of having had Barbara kind of stolen from him, like, cause he kind of feels like his childhood was stolen from him a little bit as well. It's possible. Right? I, I, I don't have enough information about specific interactions in the comics on the top of my head to say yes or no to that, but it's a fair, it's a completely reasonable question to ask. And really to, to guess that it, it, is what is happening partially. Yeah, because also in the episode, in the, like, plant people episode where Bruce gets married, um, like, some comment is made between Dick and Barbara where, like, she makes some joke and about, like, him pairing off and he makes some kind of joke about, you know, are you trying to tell me something or something like that? And she's like, oh, as if. So it's like, okay, clearly their, like, sexual and romantic relationship has come to an end. Like, it's because, the, like, we've seen that they had one, and that joke and the, her reaction to it makes it seem like they do not have one. And, in fact, she's trying to tell him, we're not going to have one again, you know? Probably for the best for a team like that to not intermingle. Yeah. Nobody sleep together. Stop. Don't do it. <laughs> Let's see here. One thing that I wanted to mention was that this season, really something that we may not have had a lot of time to talk about last time. We talked a lot about the ethics of violence, mm -hmm. but uh, one thing that the show, I think, probably taught me, maybe I'm just projecting, but there's a lot of comments, even in that last season, about due process. Hmm. For example, 
Penguin snarkingly asked Batman one time, where's your search warrant? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, he's got a point. And ultimately, it I it seems to make the viewer a little bit more aware of the fact that what Bruce is doing is like very extrajudicial, mm-hmm. very much not within the law. And they make a big point in a couple of episodes about having that have consequences where Bruce either is being hunted down by a DA, uh, criminals are getting off because the criminals have been able to not completely unfairly convince the authorities that they've been apprehended under illegal circumstances mm-hmm. and the system lets them go. Not that it should have, I, I don't know. I, I think in cases of massive explosions and death, they still should have probably been kept in jail, but the show made me think a lot more as we got to the end here about the the tension that exists between a system that attempts to be ethical for for principles like justice and rights and the conflict between like good like for lack of a better way to put it succinctly good and evil characters or good Mm -hmm. and and bad characters i Mm -hmm. won't even say evil i will say bad yeah and it's the tension that exists because good people by definition really have moral codes and allow rights and principles and those who are bad will always use that against them and against the system of morals itself. Mm -hmm. And we see this where the criminals put Bruce on trial and they're like, you made us. It is your fault that we are here. And numerous times the Joker, Two-Face, whoever it is, they convince the public using the morals that people like Bruce would actually uphold, we, it is their fault. The system has wronged us. And they do it completely in bad faith. But a good system would listen to them and let them off. So I guess the point is that these people will use morals in bad faith against the Mm -hmm. system. And without Batman, like the system would fall apart, I guess. Yeah, I think that also, like, kind of, like, one of the central questions of, like, of Batman as a character, maybe not in, like, the Golden Age or the Silver Age, but at least since, you know, after that point, one of those central character, like, ideas and questions of Batman is... Batman says that he is around because the system is not functioning. But does Batman's existence prevent the system from functioning? You know, like Batman thinks that the police and the courts are not 
you know, doing what they should or a good enough job at preventing crime and protecting the people of Gotham. But at the same time, like Batman himself is perpetrating violent acts. Batman is acting outside of the law extrajudicially. Um, You know, there are criminals that Batman is apprehending that, you know, had he just let the police do their job would have gotten put away, but because he interfered, end up getting off when they go to trial. Things like that. Like, or even the idea of, yeah, I think it's completely in bad faith and disingenuous, but the idea that, like, Batman is the reason that some of these villains exist. And in most of the cases, yeah, it is, it's, you know, like we've said, completely in bad faith, but there are a couple of them where it's like, no, that's literally true. You know, like, literally someone, like, was harmed in some way that led to them becoming villainous because of, if not, you know, never intentionally and usually somewhat indirectly, but because of something Batman was doing. Given, I don't know if, hmm. yeah, the case of resulting in the creation of some of these people, right, even indirectly, certainly, I, the question being, does he get in the way of the cops? Sometimes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and ultimately, it ends up creating a sort of revolving door. But yeah. even when you look at the full force of the police that they muster, a lot of times they're completely inadequate to deal with the threats that they face. Mm-hmm. Like, the cops could not handle Mr. Freeze. There's no way. And they show no, that very <laughs> clearly. So in yeah. these cases, it's it's something where I think people would say, or maybe Bruce would say, in these cases in particular, the system is incapable of functioning. And thus... It, it's either somebody step in to do something or let them run rampant. Freeze is somebody who would have existed without Batman. Yeah, that wasn't that was another industrialist who created Freeze. <laughs> so in that case, regardless of what Bruce had done, Freeze would be running around fucking up Gotham. In some cases, threatening the world itself. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. I, I think that. For me, it was a powerful image seeing these bad individuals use morals of the society against them and people buying it. Yeah, because that's real. That's a real thing. That's um, that's the right wing's whole shtick, folks. I, it was just very palpable to see that the Joker inherited a lot of money, hired a lawyer got off and was able to tour talk shows and convince people that he was the harmed party. That Mm -hmm. despite everything he had done, Batman was to blame. And it was just very, it was a very powerful image seeing people buy it. Yeah, it definitely is. Like the show does a lot of stuff that's like really powerful, like, psychologically you know in terms of i mean both in terms of people's individual psychology and in its display of social psychology there's a lot of really fascinating social psychology at play um in the show in general they 
it always makes me think of the the tolerance issue. Somebody, I forget who said it. I really should know. It's like in a, a, a society that is absolutely tolerant will allow intolerance, which will destroy the society that is tolerant. Mm-hmm. Or so, I, I, it's much more elegant in its original form. But it's the idea. Yeah, that I know what you're talking about. You mu- that you must be like in into- order to preserve tolerance, you must be intolerant of intolerance. Oh, it's the paradox of it's the paradox of tolerance. That's what it's there. Called. It is. Yes, that's, that's what, what it's called. called. So this is one of those issues where I'm like, these print like if these uh, I don't know these principles can be used if you allow them to sort of operate without context will end mm-hmm. up destroying the society that created the morals. And then is that justifiable? Is that still a better outcome than not following those principles a hundred percent of the time? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, but the thing is like also when, when people use, use this device that we're talking about in a really clunky way, it's super obvious to us and we're, and it's obvious to us that it's in bad faith and that like, it's stupid, you know, so we just need to be better at recognizing it because it's like literally this weekend newspapers are saying like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez rides in cars even though she's proposing a green new deal and everyone knows like everybody who has two fucking brain cells to rub together and is arguing in good faith knows that that is bullshit that that's incredibly stupid you know there's it's a whole meme it's like ah you criticize society but yet you are a part of it you know um and and when go ahead sorry in in the case of of batman and we're in the case of public opinion i think you're absolutely right with the actions of private individuals but i in this case i was thinking more about like the legal system like judges Mm -hmm. on the bench seeing these cases and going, you know what? You've used our ethics and have argued, and I my hands are tied. I know that you're arguing in bad faith, but you are nonetheless technically right, and so I have to let you off. Mm. And that's one of those things where I, it kind of made me think it's like following it to that extent, those people will get out and could potentially destroy the entire system that you've created but is it still the right thing to do? And I have no idea. Yeah. So Batman exists in that space where he allows the system to work. And when it fails, he picks up the slack. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a comment. I don't know. It, the implication is basically if the system is going to operate like that, quote unquote, perfectly on its own internal logic somebody has to be on the outside allowing that to work in batman's case it's him you could argue that the military serves that function in a lot of ways that those morals are allowed to be upheld because there's the threat of force like Hmm. hanging over everything i don't know i don't know i'm i'm rambling yeah, I mean, yeah, that's hard. Hmm. I don't know. Is it's Batman, hard to say. Is Batman ethically correct? We touched on this last time. We don't have to decide now. But it comes up even more. 
as we get into the last two seasons. But aside from that, I don't know. One other thing. There's so much we could have talked about. We didn't go over a number of villains and a number of... Alfred fucking Pennyworth. This is a great part to, to get to. Turns out he's James Bond. He's a spy. He's a fucking British spy. And <laughs> his burns just keep getting sicker. And he's he's great. He, 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 he used to be a spy. And this episode is really funny to me because Red Claw makes a return and captures God. Alfred and his partner from the British Secret Service. And she uses a truth serum to get them to give her missile codes of this, like, 30-year-old Cold War launch site in Britain. Which, by in the a way... Castle. In a castle? In a castle. The codes have apparently not changed in, thir- like, 30 years. And the codes are both, like, weird limericks. <laughs> <laughs> you and Paige made this great joke. It's like I Alfred suddenly going, there once was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the nuclear launch code. <laughs> yeah, Alfred's great. Oh my god, also one that like fucking killed me is when um it's uh Basically, when it's it's showing sort of in flashback when um, Batman first reveals to Barbara that he is Batman and he takes her down into the cave. Right. And they're standing there. And then Alfred walks up and he's like, oh, well, I see you've stumbled upon our little secret here. Yes, I admit it. I am Batman. <laughs> He's just immediately ready to take the fall, even though it's completely fucking ridiculous. I laughed oh really God. hard at that. Yeah, me too. I died. <laughs> like, and then Bruce is immediately like, uh, no, Alfred, it's fine. And then Alfred has zero change in demeanor, and he's just like, okay, well, here's the information that I came here to give you anyway. <laughs> yeah, he just goes right along. At this point, he's very much not surprised with anything that happens in that cave. Yeah, poor Alec. He's so (laughs) long-suffering. Um, ultimately... It's a great show, I think, ultimately. (laughs) Yeah, what, what else is there to say? Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's so much other stuff that we could talk about. We could talk about this for for hours and hours. It's just, you know, we've already been talking about it for, like, an hour and 15 minutes. So, you know, what we said is what we were most excited to say, I guess. And the other stuff will just have to uh, remain unaired. Comments. Make comments. I'm sure more could come out there if... Yeah, you know, there's a Facebook group. It. You wanna you wanna have a discussion about stuff from Batman the Animated Series in the Facebook group? Do it. Do that. Have a discussion in the Facebook group. Go for it. Tweet at us. Share your thoughts with us. You know, uh, we'd be happy to hear them because it's a it's a really excellent show. Like definitely one of the best shows that we've watched so far. Batman will return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
we may eventually do Batman Beyond, which is incredibly depressing, sort of existentially. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just remembering that show. Mm-hmm. I, I, 10 out of 10. Yeah, great show. Watch it. Watch it. Uh, I, it holds up. It's fun. It's witty. It's intelligent. There's philosophy. The villains are quite varied. Just do yourself a favor and go watch it. Yeah. Um, on a note, some of you might be, you might know that we planned for our initial run of the podcast. Uh, we were going to take the big four networks of our childhood and cover a big three programs on each of those networks. And you may notice that we are on our fourth network and our second show from that network. And I don't think either of us realized initially that it would take more than a year to do this. But here we are. Um, Next episode will be the final WB program that we cover we are going to cover jackie chan adventures and then who knows what's next who jackie. knows what's next we are free from the artificial constraints which we have placed on ourselves and we could just go anywhere man we could do anything i can go anywhere except for there we're not going to cover reading rainbow <laughs> read a book it's in a look the rainbow reading. Anyway. Chris? Okay. okay, cool. But I I think ultimately we should call that season one. This is going to be, next episode will be the end of season one. Yeah, I agree. Because for some reason I feel the need to artificially constrain ourselves to a season format. <laughs> Sure. I mean, all it really means is labeling the shows, the episodes differently. But bye-bye, Batman. I'm sad to watch you go. Yeah, definitely. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening to us talk about Batman for so long. Um, We're hoping to get you the episodes in more of the format that you're used to getting them. Uh, You know, we were thrown off by technical difficulties. Um, you know, and as usual, I've been Paige. Chris. And this has been Animates. Please follow us on uh, Twitter at Animates. There is a Facebook fan group that you can join, Animates Podcast. And as always, you can email us, Animates at gmail.com. That's the numeral eight instead of the later letters AT. Um, and please, please, if you're listening to this on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps other people find the show.